Hello and welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. Um, my name is Ben. I'm your host. It really is me, even though my voice sounds a little bit different. I'm fighting a head cold today. But Robin and I wanted to get together and have a cup of coffee and another conversation about a topic of faith. And today was the best day that worked this week for the both of us. It's, we're getting into kind of a busy time of year already, with it being... Uh, um, late November and already starting to feel a little bit like Christmas. It's pretty cold. The end cold. is near, Ben. It, it is. It is. And, pe- you know, we were sh- uh, Kelly and I were shopping on Saturday. The malls are already starting to get crazy. We've got our Christmas lights up. Um, we're uh, starting to see Christmassy things happening at church and in the community and I can't imagine why, Ben. School. It's not even Advent yet. I know, Come right? On. We're kind of jumping the gun, right? It's like how cl- clothing stores, uh, right after Halloween, it, they just... In Starbucks and places, they, you know, late it's October, or right at the beginning of November, boom. It's Some kinda... of them had Halloween and Christmas uh, out at the same, and Thanksgiving, all out at the same really? time. Like, how do you even pick? How do you have space for that? I don't, it's crazy. So, um, for anyone who's unfamiliar with the format of this weekly podcast, what Robin and I do is we sit down once a week over a cup of coffee, we pick a topic, and it always somehow relates to faith and, and our faith journey, how we live out our, our love and our faith in the world and in the relationships around us. And sometimes we pick topics that relate to what's going to be talked about in church uh, the coming Sunday. Other weeks, we just randomly pick different topics that we think are interesting or important or timely. And today we're going to be talking about the concept of Christ the King, and that's because this coming Sunday in church, uh, I guess we're going to be talking about that and it, it being Christ the King Sunday. So it has its own Sunday, I understand, Robin. What does that mean? Well, uh, well, first of all, the end is near. I, uh, I, I mean that. Uh, end because, of what? Well, the, the church year, the liturgical church year, starts with the first Sunday of Advent, which is December 2nd this year. Okay. Um, which means that the Sunday before that is uh, the last Sunday of the church year. So it's kind of like New Year's Eve, right? Um, and the last Sunday of the church year is traditionally uh, referred to as either Christ the King or Reign of Christ Sunday. And um, it's the, you know, the image of Jesus as, uh, as the King, the, you know, who reigns in our hearts kind of thing. Um, which kind of and, and I'm glad I'm glad you you just your little your intro there included about something that's relevant because that's always my question when we come to Christ King Sunday or Reign of Christ Sunday how relevant is that like what's our what's our understanding of 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 the image of of a king for instance mm-hmm. said the person whose last name is King um, and yes I've used that I've I've used that as a way of introducing the idea. Um, I've also done the thing with the crown. You know what? Actually, mm-hmm. what kind of crown? Right? Where yet? You, you, like with the kids, for instance. Yeah. You got a bunch of hats. One of which is a crown. Right. And you want to tell them. You want. You want to explain to them what it means. What Jesus being the king means. And so you have a bunch of different hats. And of course, they invariably pick the one that looks like a crown. But in well, fact, f- one of your other hats is probably, you know, more appropriate because it might be, you know, it might be uh, um, a nurse or a policeman or something like that, right? That where it's about service and care and love. And, yeah, and, yeah. and so th- there's the thing about that, all of that is, and that's great. Don't get me wrong, that's great. It's just that we're trying to explain again 
We're trying to explain an image that would not have needed explanation a thousand or two thousand years ago. We're trying to explain yeah. that image. Well, for kids today and, and adults, but our, I think, especially for kids, when you, when you talk about a king, they right away will picture medieval times and storybooks and princesses. Right. And, but I mean, we, we actually have real life princesses and princes and kings and royalty even in 2018, just not in Canada. So it's not contextually re- relevant to, to my right. kids. But and even, even, even the kings and queens of today are different depending on where different. you are. Yeah. Right. So the, the queen that is the technically the queen of Canada, um, that queen, that kind of monarchy, it's, it's the queen has literally no power. Um, and it's more a question of, and, and, and I don't, I don't buy the whole, we should get rid of it because it's figurehead thing. I, because I think there's also an issue there around, um, uh, you know, the, the king or the queen or the royal family trying to represent the best of who we are, right? That kind of, those kind of questions. Um, but then there's other places in the world where the king literally has all the power. Yeah. Or the queen has literally all the power. Um, so again, it, you know, it just, it, context is different. Um, and, and to me that raises all sorts of questions around how we image Jesus period. Yeah. Um, of because if we only use the images that are in the Bible in capital letters, um, then we're stuck with images that are not particularly relevant to us. So let's, so let's rewind and go back to um, to those biblical times and what they would have meant and what they would have expected uh, when they were anticipating the arrival of a new king. Well, and and then all in part, so that, and then my second question is, what does Christ the King Sunday mean? Like, when did that become a thing? That was invented or that became a part of the liturgical calendar at some point along the, the development of oh, dang, the church. Oh, dang, I you were going to ask that. And I, did, I actually have looked it up, and it had something to do with the Pope. I'll, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you about that in a second. But, um, uh, well, and there actually is another question that's really worth having lengthy conversation about. Um, although it's, it's, it's worth constantly reminding people and remembering it's actually a short description. Um, but the thing is that Jesus was not the king they expected. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm getting your cold, Ben. Thanks. Sorry. Man. I warned you. Um, right? I mean, they were they would have expected in the first century to say, and this is what they expected of a Messiah, right? They were expecting that kind of king that they were expecting would have been uh, somebody born in a palace um, with an army. Yeah. And that king was going to raise a, a powerful army up and overthrow the um, the oppressor, the Romans, mm-hmm. um, and restore the glory of Israel. Um, and, and so the they occupation. were looking. Yeah, they were they were literally looking for another David, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, that's not what they got. And that's actually kind of the point mm-hmm. is that 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 isn't what they got. Um, and there are so many things that we can learn from that, including, and and what might even be most relevant of all right now is that um, the king that they got was um, born to very poor people who were not at home and who then had to flee their country um, it, so that their child wasn't killed. Yeah. Right? They were refugees eventually, right? And and so there's there's all sorts of... All sorts of things that we can look at with with that, but but that all springs from the idea that that was not the king that anybody was expecting. 
Yeah. Right. And even I think actually the uh, the gospel story for um, Reign of Christ Sunday this year is um, is uh, from the Passion narrative, mm-hmm. um, and, the, and it's the the part where Pilate, of course, says, "Are you the King of the Jews?" and um, my kingdom is not of this world, says Jesus. You right. know that all that kind of kind of thing. I'm not that kind of king. Yeah. He's not not that I'm not that kind of king. And uh, I love that part of the story, and that to me is probably the most valuable thing about that image, is that Jesus was not the kind of king they expected. Um, in fact, I've I've used that so many times in stories like with kids and yeah. And well, you're working on a, a you have written not working on, but you have written a. A new Christmas play for the kids in in Basha yeah. this year. Yeah, and which is about which is basically about a little girl taking a gift for the king, right? And and that's again, I uh, stole an idea, right? Um, the, the, I can't think of the, there's been so many stories where people have tried to point out that um, well, the Magi brought gifts fit for the king that was expected. Um, the point is that it wasn't that. Yeah, and so so people have created stories where there's either a fourth magi, right? Not that the Bible specifically says it was three; it's just it was three gifts. But but there was there's a fourth one who brings a toy, right? Um, I think my my story it's a baby rattle, um, and it's brought by a little girl. But but it's mm. it's uh, there's a variety of stories where there's more than more than those gifts, and the idea is the recognition that first of all, uh, no matter what kind of king Jesus becomes, he's a he's a child first. He starts as a baby. Right? He starts out as a baby. Yeah. Um, or that um, again, not the kind of king they expected. Um, yeah. Oh, I think you're you're thinking of how many magi maybe. Um, the the story that the book that uh, Marcus Lisson and I did, where where the story is that there's there's several magi, but on the way the magi who don't make it all the way to Jesus are the ones who are one's a carpenter and one's a, a baker and one's a doctor. It's a great story, right? and and so they stop on the way to help people, and so when they get there. And the others realize that their gifts are ridiculous because it's, you know, they've got all these expensive things and it's a baby, you know, a child of poor people in a manger and kind of thing. There's the wise magi who says, yes, but he'll grow up to share the gifts that the other magi did, right? He'll mm-hmm. show people how to how to care for each other. And, and so it's, again, I'm not saying it's not a great, uh, it's not a great intro to uh, to uh, talking about those kind of images, I think that's the point. Though, is that we don't uh, we don't recognize uh, Jesus as being the kind of king that you see in a stained glass window from the 19th century, right? The, the what's commonly referred to as um, you know uh, Christus Victor, right? Christ victorious, or or um, Christ the King, right? In fact, there are uh, there are many many. <laughs> Uh, churches named Christ the King, usually in um, yeah. Lutheran, Roman Catholic, or or Anglican traditions. Yeah. Um, but there's uh, there's a number. Uh, in fact, I remember one uh, in Toronto, uh, and it's not actually called Christ the King anymore. They actually changed their name because they re- they decided that it was not re- particularly relevant. Really, um, they changed their name to something else. But but they had actually built the church in the shape. It looked like a crown. It was very cool. Huh. Um, the the it was round and uh, on the outside it had kind of like things on the the roof that made it look kind of like it was a crown. Yeah. Um, but we evolve, right? 
we we grow we change we, we do but things one... things take on different different shades of of relevance and different ways of our understanding them one thing that that i think has stuck with us though in our human nature is that we often long for a structure in our lives or or something in our lives that that gives us answers in and what i mean by that is i mean maybe a skeptical way of looking at it is religion serves the function of telling us what to do and and telling us what to believe and how to live our lives and so the image of a king in that uh in that context is is useful as a uh a, not ruler over but a a leader that is is yeah you're is, having trouble with that aren't you you're in trouble with that right because it there's that whole, and and i i hear what you're saying and you're actually going where i i think we kind of have to go well where i'm going with it is that i, I and this isn't a criticism but i think in in um in ultra conservative examples of christianity it there is almost a desire for um you know god be the ruler of my life like to and, right. Okay. And, and fair enough. Uh, fair enough. And and I I, I th- there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. Nothing wrong with that. But what is God? Who is Jesus? Right. This is and this is where this is where um, I we we part ways. Me and fundamentalists and evangelicals and conservative Christians um, is that um, the kind of images that uh, I hear from from that conversation is power over. Mm-hmm. And I don't see Jesus or God, Jesus in particular, as teaching us to have power over people, but to have power with people. So I think if we're going to talk about how, and this is where I'd go, if we're going to talk about how Jesus uh, or God rules in our hearts, we need to understand what that means. And we need to understand that God is love, compassion, mm-hmm. and grace. That's what's in our hearts, that our the way we live um, should reflect that. It's yeah. not about power over. That's right. It's about power with. And so I think right? you can you can uh, you can fall into a you know just you know religion. Just tell me what to do, and and I'll try my best to right. fall by follow that playbook. But I think the intention and uh, the the meaning of that that idea of you know be the uh, the ruler of my of my heart and be my Lord and Savior is that is not to subjugate yourself to Jesus or to God, but to to hold this place in your heart that says, you are the most important thing in my life. And, yeah. and so you have a relationship with that God and with, with carrying Jesus in your heart through your daily actions and choices and relationships and conversations right. where it it's dynamic and it's, right. and it's, it's alive. It's not a um, oppressive, you know, right. yeah. uh, this puppet master that's pulling the strings and you're just kind of following the rules. Right. And this, again, this is where I part, would part ways with people who say things like, God controls my life. Hmm. Mm, I don't agree. I think we, me and God, together, do that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We... I, I I think I think it's very easy. And and my my, my I I 
and not that I and and I I really don't think sometimes I think people who say things like that they actually we mean the same thing they're just saying it differently I think so too sometimes though and and it's more to me it's more obvious but and I just got into trouble for this uh, it, it it sometimes to me it's more obvious um, when we when we reference the devil right okay so a couple of weeks ago we had a conversation I said there was no devil and we had a chat about that and subsequently I've had some questions um, but I think one of the reasons I, I said that and one of the reasons I would continue to say that is about is about perspective and the moment we label evil we we have a way of putting it outside of us right it's an outside force acting on me in order to make me behave badly right so the devil made me do it literally and and no I don't think very many not since flip Wilson that's probably way too old for you, Ben. Yep. Yeah. So old people would get that. Um, he he had a character. He's a comedian back in the seventies, okay. and he had a character, Geraldine, who used to say, "The devil made me do it." Um, mm. And and the thing is, no, I don't think people actually literally say, "The devil made me do it" anymore, other than as a joke. But the fact is, I think there's lots of people who think that. They think that evil is a force acting on them to make them behave a certain way. It's an outside force. And I go, okay, the moment you label it as an outside force acting on you, you're going to address the force, not what's causing you to behave that way. Do, do you see what I mean? I think so. You, so you're directing your attention at the evil itself, not at what may cause be causing it to happen. And one of the things I said about there being, excuse me, there being no devil was the idea that um, uh, evil isn't evil is the the consequence of the absence of good. It's not the opposite of good, mm-hmm. right? The absence of good can lead to either filling that void with good or with not. And so the consequence of the choice that you make is going to be. And to me, that's a way of addressing the fact that we have responsibility for it. Yeah. It's kind of like, again, separating yourself from God has control of my life, so I don't have to do anything. No, you still have to do stuff. You have to participate. Yeah. Um, and I think we do the same thing with e- with evil, too, is that the moment we can label it as an outside force acting on me, we're attacking the evil itself rather than what might be causing us to make the choices we're making. I see what you mean. That's leading to it, right? Yeah. And so here's here's where I think it's really important to be clear that when we talk about um, Jesus or God ruling our lives, we're talking about sharing in um, uh, love and care um, mm-hmm. that allowing allowing those things to lead us right to help us make the decisions that we make. We make decisions out of love. Yeah. It's a right? co-creative process. Not because God made me mm-hmm. make a decision out of love, but because we have allowed, uh, shared even, in love uh, ruling the decisions that we make. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit like, you know, as, as biological human, or as, as, as creatures, biological creatures, we we have some programming in us that we're going to make certain choices and behaviors and respond certain way to, to, right. um, st- stimul- uh, stimulus, stimulus. Thank you. Um, based on our evolved DNA that you could say, well, we're not in control of our lives. Then we're just living out the programming that's, that's wired into us in our DNA that 
but mm. but but no, we are. We we have um, we have thousands of autonomous functions that are going on in our body all the time that we're maybe not consciously choosing. Like the way you just scratched your face, you probably didn't just now. You know, they say you, you touch your own face like hundreds of times a day, and and you're most people aren't even aware of it. So we're doing things all the time that we're not consciously choosing, but we're still in the driver's seat. But it's a it's a mix of those two. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, that certainly that absolutely complicates it. Yeah, absolutely. It, it makes it hard to discern. Yeah. Anyway, I think I think we should switch gears and, and here think, a little bit well, and I talk just, about. I just want to say though that okay. I think I think I don't want anyone to think that I'm suggesting that something that's so. Um, ridiculously unrealistically idealistic as to say that you know if only we did away with the devil and we just everything sure. we did came from the goodness that is within us that is actually by the way what I'm saying um, but I'm also aware that I'm also aware that we're imperfect uh, we're, we're imperfect human beings I mean that's actually in fact our perfection is our imperfectness Mm-hmm. Right, we're we're perfect just as we are, and that means we're all different. We all do things differently. We're all unique. We're all individual. Um, it, it it's just that that um, if we try, like even the smallest thing would make things different, right? Even the smallest decision made from from love and caring, um, rather than um, you know I don't want you, you stop to help somebody, right? Rather than, yeah, I don't have time for that or, you know, mm-hmm. not my problem or anything like that. Even that has changed the universe right there, right? In in its own fractionally tiny little way. Yeah. Um, I'm not suggesting, and, and that's the thing is that I, and I, I know I say this a lot, but I don't think Jesus ever demanded that we be perfect. When Jesus said, love one another as I showed you to love, he didn't say, and I expect you to be perfect at it or you're all going to burn in the fiery. I don't think he, I just can't see that. Yeah. It's not the Jesus that... Again, someone might like to point out to me that actually Jesus frequently said stuff like that in the Bible. And I'd go, you know what? Again, that was 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Um, if you're going to suggest that the uh, that 2,000 years ago people thought and um, lived exactly the same way as we do now, I'm going to challenge you on that. Yeah. Because no, no, they didn't. And, and that's where like the image of the king is is a bit of an issue for me is that um that might have been a relevant image just like well like the the sower right the the image of the parable of the sower the sower goes out to sow the seed and the sower casts the seed everywhere it goes in different places and the different places mm-hmm. mean different things that's a great image if you say happen to farm the way they did two thousand years ago nobody does and most uh, of us don't farm at all. And and most of us, exactly, most of us have no idea anyway, simply because we don't do it. We leave it to yeah. the people who actually know what they're doing. And the people who actually know what they're doing would never sow a seed that way, and they'd never be so careless as to cast it everywhere. But back in the day, maybe they did things differently, right? Yeah. I wasn't there. It was 2,000 years ago. But that's exactly my point. Yeah. So uh, speaking of going back and, and looking at what it was actually like then... I'm going to use something you said a few seconds ago as a segue, and, and uh, that was you, you talked about Jesus never asked for perfection. That makes me wonder what, um, obviously Jesus wasn't perfect if he was a human, right? And he probably didn't look perfect either. So we, speaking of how we, how we visualize Jesus and how we image him, how we, the images that we create of him, um, 
I'm I'm so curious what he would have physically looked like. Right. Uh, we 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 uh, portray him as Caucasian and usually pretty th- you know scrawny looking and well yeah it, it's it's pretty unrealistic. I mean he was he would have looked a I lot my, more like yeah. what we think of as a terrorist. I think my my vision of a fat Jesus is probably still pretty radical. Um, okay. But, uh, I'll, I'll explain. But but um, we're actually. But the thing is, though, that most most. I shouldn't even say most. Many people. We're we're kind of at that. We're kind of at that same point that we're at with um, recognizing that um, uh, it's okay for people to be who they are, regardless of how they identify themselves in terms of like gender and status and all that kind of cultural stuff, right? That we're starting to be more open about things like that. Um, we're kind of at the same thing stage with Jesus. There's lots of people who, the moment you say Jesus was uh, a white dude with blue eyes and blonde hair, he looked like Jeffrey Hunter, right, in King of Kings, famously, um, that uh, there's lots of people who would go, no, no, that's not what I think. Just as there's lots of people, um, every now and then somebody will say, well, you know, nobody believes that God is uh, um, an old man sitting on a throne with a big white beard, right? And I don't even know why we say that anymore, because I can't imagine that there is anyone who thinks that, although it is sometimes a useful image to use uh, in different contexts, as long as you understand it, right? But we're kind of at the stage where now people are starting to recognize that Jesus would have looked like a Middle Eastern man. Um, Time Magazine, and this is old now, and by old I mean like at least 10, 15 years old. They famously had one of those uh, people who do the thing where you, you take a skull and then you put you put flesh on it and you can like you can create what the person looked like from their skull, right? Yeah. Um, and and they did a used a first century. Uh, Jewish male skull and created this picture of what Jesus would have looked like if hmm. he'd been a typical um, first average, century Jew. Yeah. And it's nothing like what we would have thought. He had a round face he um, and dark skin. He had wiry kind of fuzzy kind of hair and 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 not the most attractive beard you've ever seen. Um, and, um, you know, uh, okay, then somebody's going to, of course, go, yes, but you're implying that Jesus was a typical first century Jew. And, and he's Jesus the was the son of God. So and he so he have... could have looked like whatever he wanted to. And, and okay, sure. And in fact, in fact, part of Jesus' uniqueness and distinctiveness as a prophet could have been his appearance. Right? Not just because, I mean, how do we describe John the Baptist? Right, we know what John the Baptist looks like because it's mentioned. Yeah. Because he came out of the wilderness and he was a Nazarite and etc. 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 Yeah. There's no description anywhere of what Jesus looked like, which I find actually kind of uh, interesting. As you know, that's something worth exploring. It is. Why isn't there any physical description of Jesus? And and sure, somebody of course is going to say, well, that's because Jesus looked so different and unique, and so no, and that's why no one mentioned that. No, I disagree. Clearly, I think it, no one mentioned it because he looked like everybody else, which so is kind average. of the point. Yeah. Right? 
So I, I again, uh, but again, then I go, I go. All right. So how do we image Jesus since there's no physical description of Jesus? And of course, I think we're going to go in the direction of we want if we're going to hear Jesus as being, you know, Jesus is our friend, Jesus uh, is love, Jesus companion. is in all of us, Jesus is our companion on the way. Jesus is going to look like well. Uh, we're going to image Jesus like ourselves, and so I go. Well, okay, fat Jesus. And the other reason why the other reason why I think I think that is, and and I'm I'm honestly not saying this flippantly or lightly, but we have uh, so many stories of Jesus breaking bread with people, Jesus sitting down to a meal with people, not just the Last Supper, but he's always going somewhere for dinner. He's always talking to people in the context of of food, right? Yeah. Um, how could he eat that much and be slim? I don't understand. I know he walked a lot and everything. <laughs> he burned up all those carbs, but I think, Robin. I think actually at some point the people writing the gospel stories went, oh, man, not another story of Jesus saying something wise while he was eating with people. Let's leave out the eating part. We'll just throw in the wise stuff. Right? And and so Because I think, I think Jesus understood that sharing food is a common ground mm-hmm. that crosses every single boundary. Everyone's got it. You might eat different things, but everybody's got to eat. Um, everybody's got to drink water, right? That's why we've got bread of life and the the water of you know the I'm um, the well, right? Holy water, all of that stuff. Um, uh, so I don't see any reason why Jesus couldn't have been kind of round and and uh, you know maybe not particularly athletic. Although again, somebody's going to say, well, he was a carpenter, really. I mean, I know that's implied in everything, but it, it, again, we're making assumptions. And so I would say, why can't we make assumptions that err on the side of Jesus is just like me? One of my one of my favorite movies uh, ever is Dogma, which is famous, of course, in part for the buddy Jesus, <laughs> right? Where the 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 uh, the Archbishop or Cardinal or whatever he is decides that the the church needs to be cooler and more hip, and yeah. so he introduces this statue of the buddy Jesus who's winking and pointing at you. Yeah. Right. Um, and and I just think I I I just why not? I mean I know it was meant to be humorous and everything else, but why not? Uh, I I I just think um, again we need to understand Jesus uh, to image Jesus in the ways that bring us understanding, not try and understand the image. Yeah, Do, I you love know. That. Yeah, that's um, such a backwards cause, way because that's how of, we'd connect. Yeah. Yeah. And we try, we try so hard, and and again, uh, you know, I'm not trying to put, uh, I'm not trying to put anybody out of work, and I think, like, absolutely, the scholarship is incredibly important in everything, but surely there's a point at which it would be simpler to just try and image Jesus in a way that is particularly relevant to the person you're talking to, rather than have to give them you know, a half hour sermon explaining or Bible study, explaining the context and history of this image. Yeah. Um, as people would have understood it in the first century. Why can't we just jump to, this is how we understand it in this century. Absolutely. And, and we're kind of, we're basically out of time here for today, but one thing that I'm going to reference from previous conversations with you and something you've touched on in quite a few sermons is that Our emphasis ought to be on the way Jesus lived, not necessarily on the fact that Jesus died. And yet, a huge part of how we portray and visualize Jesus is where do we where do we always see him on the cross? We 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 picture him on the cross. We picture him with the the crown of thorns, and because his death was such a significant part of of 
the story of Jesus and that he was this atoning sacrifice. And we've talked about, about that and what that all might mean or maybe doesn't mm. mean. But I just, to me, I, I connect more with an image of a Jesus that is living out his love more than taking yeah. his last breath and dying on a cross and being tortured. Yeah. Um, that I, I would love it if we could see more, more art, more um, depictions of Jesus that was that, uh, that carpenter sitting having a meal with a friend or a stranger or, yeah. you know, living out his... How do you live? Yeah. Right? Um, somebody, I was just reading, uh, uh, Rob Bell calls that evacuation theology, I think. Um, it, it, which I th- and, I, and I had to think about that for a minute, and I thought, actually, that is, that is a really apt title. It's the thinking that what's really important about Jesus, I guess, is that uh, it, it gets us to heaven. It's where we're going next. Huh. Where we're going when we get out of this, right? we evacuate right? this it, planet yeah, exactly. this life. Uh, uh, and I just, I, like I, I think lots of, lots of people unfortunately think that way. It's about where you're going, not where you are. And I think Jesus is all about where you are. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, even the, I mean, and it's not like there aren't references the kingdom of heaven is here, right? Yeah. Um, that's the king that, yeah. that Jesus is. Yeah. And so when we start, in fact, I know, I know there's people now who started, instead of using the expression kingdom, they say kingdom. Oh, they really? take the G out and yeah. it's, it's about... Uh, kin, right? It's yeah. about we're all related. Yeah. Um, which I, I think kingdom is a little unwieldy as a word myself, but I think it's a really positive step it's in terms concept. of recognizing, yeah, we're recognizing that we're all related. Yeah. And that that's the, when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, when we talk about, um, uh, when we talk about Jesus ruling in our hearts, that's the very thing that we're talking about. Yeah, it is. Cool. Um, I think let's leave it there for today, Robin. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your sermon on Sunday and uh, learning a little bit more about this this whole concept of Christ the King um, as we wrap up this calendar year for the church and head into Advent and Christmas and uh, the, this busy season and wonderful season that's coming up right away. Um, so thanks everybody for, for listening today and we hope that you'll join us through the uh, the season of Advent and into Christmas and through the holidays, we're going to keep on uh, putting out a podcast once a week. And uh, so we'll, we'll hopefully catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Ben.